You are listening to the May 31st edition of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. It's a podcast where we read through the one-year Bible plan together as a community, and we are reading this year in the New Living Translation. So let's go ahead and jump in with our Old Testament reading, 2 Samuel chapter 17. Now Abikathel urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. Then I will kill only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only one man's life that you seek. Then you will be at peace with all the people. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai the archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, What is your opinion? Should we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? Well, Hushai replied to Absalom, This time Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now, they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced man of war. He won't be spending the night among the troops. He has probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks, and a few of your men fall, there will be a panic among your troops. And the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest shoulders, even though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior your father is, and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. That way, you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I advise that you personally lead the troops. When we find David, we'll fall on him like dew that falls on the ground. Then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David were to escape into some town, you will have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take the ropes and drag the walls of the town into the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ephithiel's. For the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Ahithiel, which really was better, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. So what's going on? Remember, Absalom is trying to take over his dad's kingdom. David has been forced into hiding. David prays um, that Absalom would get bad advice, and that's exactly what happens. He gets good advice from Ahithiel, uh, who tells him what to do. That is actually a better plan. Uh, but the Lord sends Hushai to come, and Hushai gives advice that is really not good. Um, and Absalom says, I like that advice better. And so we'll see how it works out for him. Verse 15, Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar the priest what Ephithiel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise, he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at En Rogel so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message they were taken to King David. But a boy spotted them at En Rogel, and he told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Baharim, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun. So no one suspected they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, 
They asked her, have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, they were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ephithiel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. When Ephithiel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. David soon arrived at Mahanim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether and a Mishalite. His mother Abigail, daughter of Nation, was the sister of Joab's mother, Zerah. Absalom and the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahiam, he was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nashon, who came from Rahab of the Amorites, and by Mechir of Emil from Lo-Debar, and by Brasilia of Gilead from Rogalim. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, and cheese for David and those who were with him. For they said, You must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. And that concludes our Old Testament reading for the day. Moving on to the New Testament, John chapter 19, verses 23 through 42. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the form of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom, so that they said, Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the next day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say none of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. 
He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from merith and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they lead, laid Jesus there. And that concludes our New Testament reading as we get to read about the uh, the crucifixion of Christ. And that is why he came, my friends. Um, he came to live the righteous life you could not live, to die this terrible death you deserve to die, uh, appeasing the wrath of God and emptying um, the reserves of evil and sin. And then three days later, or on the third day, uh, and we'll read about this tomorrow, he didn't stay in that tomb. He rose again, new creation bursting forth. And he invites you and I to participate in that new creation. We can be made brand new by trusting in Christ Jesus. And we join Jesus in his mission of making the world brand new. And we await the day in which Jesus comes back and ultimately restores everything back to the right order with God as the one true king and everything set to right. That is the gospel that I would encourage you to trust in and find your joy in today. Now, moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. A king detests wrongdoing, for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 119, verses 129 through 152, in a posture of prayer. P. Verse 129. Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. The teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. I paint with expectation, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy, as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love. Teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes, because people disobey your instructions. Tosidie, verse 137. O Lord, you are righteous, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. I'm overwhelmed with indignation for my enemies have disrespected your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and that is why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. Koaf. Verse 145, I pray with all my heart, answer me, Lord. I will obey your decrees. I cry out to you, rescue me, that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night, thinking about your promise. In your faithful love, O Lord, hear my cry. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Lawless people are coming to attack me. They live far from your instructions. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Yes, Lord, and they will last forever. And ultimately, um, these laws culminate in Christ Jesus, the one who would come and fully fulfill all of Scripture. Lord, thank you for him. Thank you that through him we get to view Scripture in light of that good news. And in all things we see Jesus. Lord, I pray that today we would allow that to affect the way we live. We would live a lifestyle of worship for the one true King, Jesus Christ. Help us to be people of repentance, repenting from our wisdom 
to Jesus' wisdom. Lord, give us your spirit so that we might be able to go forth with purpose and power in our daily lives. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we do these things. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for this May 31st reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we begin a new month of reading through the Bible together.